Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Why don't we pray and we'll get started with this morning's message. Father, I just thank you so much that we get to embark on this journey. We, we long to grow in you. We long to know more of you. Um, we long to feel closer to you. We long to, to function more and more in the rhythms of your love and grace. So Lord, be with us these next five weeks. Would you be uh, stirring something in our hearts? Would, you, would we be able to uh, hear your, your gentle whisper just, a, just a, little, a little louder as we incline ourselves towards you more intentionally over this next little period. Be with us, love us, shape us and guide us, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, the heads of this week, what does it mean to be shaped by the Scriptures? I'm going to be starting Psalm 119, verses 42 to 48. You can follow along. I'm reading from the message version. Let your love, God, shape my life with salvation, exactly as you promised. Then I'll be able to stand up to mockery because I trusted your word. Don't ever deprive me of truth, not ever. Your commandments are what I depend on. Oh, I will guard my life with what you've revealed to me. I'll guard it now, I'll guard it forever. And I'll stride freely through wide open spaces as I look for your truth and your wisdom. Then I'll tell the world what I find, speak out boldly in public, unembarrassed. unembarrassed. I cherish your commandments. Oh, how I love them, relishing every fragment of your counsel. Do you get the idea that the psalmist likes the law? Do you get the idea that the psalmist has an appreciation and love for the scriptures, for the history and for the story that's gone before him? Do you get the idea that the psalmist carries with him these scriptures, carries with him the law, holds them close? I think it's pretty clear. There's a deep longing and a deep love that the psalmist holds. It's almost like the scripture is embedded in him just a little bit. I have some scriptures embedded in me, right? And I don't think I've ever really spoken about this before, but I have a vice and it's called getting tattoos. And I've apologized to my mother many times for it over the years. But as I've reflected um, over this last week, I've just actually been amazed that that there are so many uh, of my tattoos that are drawn on from the scriptures. Not because I think it's some like noble and spiritual thing to like get tattoos off scriptural things. It's just that those are the things that have spoken meaning and purpose into my life. And they're things that I've wanted to carry with me. Now, you know, I haven't really been around church a lot with no shirt on or like wearing shorts often, but like there's a lot more than just like this arm that has bits of tattoo on it. In fact, I've got a whole scene on my leg that draws on different kinds of scriptures. I've got John 3.16 tattooed on there. I have a scene from John 20 of the angels coming to Mary and saying, Mary, don't you know that the, that the tomb is empty? So I've got, this, I've got this picture of the empty tomb on my leg. 
I have uh, the passion of the Christ tattooed on the back of my leg. Uh, on my chest, I have, uh, I have a dove on one side uh, with Galatians 5 underneath it for the fruits of the Spirit. And then on my, on my, side, on my left side over here, um, I have an eagle uh, with, with uh, Ephesians 6 for uh, the armor of God. Um, and right in, the, right in the very center of my chest, I have this picture of admittedly a very Spanish-looking Jesus, right? But for me, it was like the centrality of Christ. I want Christ to be at the center of who I am. So this like biblical theme of the centrality of Christ comes through. Can I recommend never get a sternum tattoo? Okay, it's awful. For those of you thinking about it, it's not that fun. Carries on over into my, uh, into my arms as well. On the inside of my left arm, I have my very first tattoo was, it was a cross. And around it, it says Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, <clears throat> I have uh, on my, up on the top of my right arm here, I have a, a lantern, Psalm 119.105. Uh, Lord, let your uh, word be a lamp onto my feet and a light onto my path. And that for me, that was a scripture that came along at a really important time in my life. And it was something that I, that I wanted to carry with me. Um, I have uh, Psalm 42.1 just tattooed right here, the stag on my arm. And I love the original Aramaic, which is as the, stag, as the stag bellows across the water, so my soul calls out for you. So I wanted to like carry that with me. What else? There's a, I mean, there's a few things. <laughs> um, I mean, I recently even just got the word Salah tattooed right through my elbow because that word has been something that has meant something for me to, to stop to pause and reflect. We all have scriptures that we carry with us, and I understand that not everyone is as literal about it as I am, but that's okay. Like, that's just my thing. It's advice. It's whatever. But we all have scriptures. I mean, even, even right now, like, there will be these life verses. Like, so in this room, what are some of the verses that, that you guys carry with you? Who's, who's going to shout one out? Yeah, where's that from? Oh, you don't know. Okay. <laughs> Psalm 139. There you go. What else? What? What? Yep. Cool. Very nice. What else? Jeremiah 29:11. Yep. What else? Oh, nice. Yes. Stunning. Mm, beautiful. So do you believe? Psalm 27? Stunning. We all... Mm. Oh, I love that. Where's that from? Oh, yeah. Guys, I notice we've got to work on our really specific verses a little bit. All right. <laughs> Just a little pastoral observation there. Man, I'm sure we could actually go around, and I'm, sh I'm sure it's, it's, it's even one thing to just sort of lay those things out, to throw them out to a room, but I bet as well that every single one of you would have a story behind that, where it's not just some nice word or, 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 or sort of a, a token idea, but actually like those words have, have met you at a particular time. They've carried you through. There's something that you've relied on. At times, it's those words or those verses that are the very thing that we lean on, right? So the stories in this room, 
and in churches all around the world of people who just have little tidbits of the scriptures where they say, actually, this thing got me through that time. This thing spoke to my identity and my purpose and gave me a sense of belonging. Man, we are embedded with the scriptures. We carry them, we wear them, they shape and they inform who we are and how we function in our everyday lives. It is so important as followers of Christ that we allow ourselves to become shaped by the scriptures. We have to know what those things are. We have to know which ones we carry and we have to let them minister to us and carry us through. (sighs) And so what I want to do this morning is uh, explore a little of why I think the Scriptures are so important to our formation as Jesus' followers. And I also want to ask how our reading of the Scriptures might have a more significant impact on our growth. And so um, just taking us moving straight on into this, um, why, why for you are the Scriptures so important to your formation? Just a couple of ideas. Why are the Scriptures so important? It's truth. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's good. It's unchanging. Good. God speaks to us through the scriptures. Absolutely. Ah, I love that. Shifts our focus off the problems. It's life-giving and it carries authority. There's so many reasons as to why the scriptures are important. There's a couple of things I want to speak to directly. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about lately is, is how relevant the Bible is. Now, that's an interesting thing because in many ways, the Bible is quite irrelevant. Okay? Let me unpack that a little bit. Um, the Bible comes to us from a time that is completely different to ours. Most of it was written over the course of a 3,000-year period, the most recent of which was like nearly 2,000 years ago. That's a different time in history. It comes to us from a different geographic region than the sort of New Zealand that we live in now. It comes to us from a different group of people who possess a different worldview and a different approach to the world around them. It comes from different social dynamics. Most of us actually end up in another country somewhere in the Middle East and actually that feels pretty foreign and uncomfortable uh, uncomfortable because we're actually pretty westernized. We're pretty set in our ways. And so in many ways, the Bible is actually can be this like quite uncomfortable thing to move towards because it's actually quite hard for us to resonate with. And I'm often struck that we, we read the Scriptures probably from a more Roman perspective, even though we project ourselves into the Jewish side of things. So often, and perhaps most challenging for us, even when we go to the, the Gospels, is that the things that, that, that uh, should confront us more are probably what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees rather than what he's saying to these other new believers or these people he's encountering. I'm not saying it's wrong to kind of go there, but we, we're very quick when we go to the Scriptures to distance ourselves from the, the Roman Western side of things that actually are being challenged quite a lot by the teachings of Christ and by Paul. So it's a challenging thing for us. So in some ways, it's difficult to call it relevant. But in other ways, it's incredibly relevant. I don't know of any other text that speaks to the reality of the human condition the way Scripture does. I don't know anything that, that really speaks to the universal experience of what it means to be human. I'm blown away that even over thousands of years, there are still the same sorts of things 
that mean things to people, that actually the, uh, the strength and the place of wisdom in our lives has rung true for thousands of years and the wisdom of Scripture still holds up. It stacks up when you enter into a business meeting with someone. It stacks up when you go to buy property. It stacks up when you do church together. Like, that's incredible. What about the way it speaks to, like, human suffering? Like, who in, the, who in a dark and low moment hasn't gone to the book of Job and just completely resonated with that story? Those questions, the wrestling, the doubt. Like, we, we resonate with that. And who doesn't experience something of the joy that the disciples see when they encounter Jesus again on the other side of the resurrection? Like peace and joy and love and grace. Like these are universal, timeless experiences of what it means to be human. And the Bible is relevant because it speaks to that in a profound and transcendent manner. The scriptures shape us because they've always shaped us. The other thing I think about the Bible is that it's... um. This isn't working. Um, <clears throat> is that it's revelatory, right? Uh, the Bible uh, reveals uh, aspects of God's character. It gives us revelation of who God is, what God is like and what God is not like, how God functions and how God doesn't function. It gives us these little signposts and things that kind of point us towards Him. So suddenly we can, we can look at something like John 5, 19, where Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. And it's like, oh, we can do that too. Or, in, or, or when Jesus calls for a transformation of our mind and to, and to move towards the kingdom of God, it's like, well, we can do that. I can respond to that. That, that feels like something that's not just tangible 2,000 years ago, but it's something that's tangible that I can t- like take hold of and move towards now. That feels like an invitation that is extended to me right now. Um, it's, it's a revelation of experiences of God over time. So because of the span of the Bible, we get to see how people have interacted with God through, through a lot of recorded human history, which is a fascinating thing. And often people's minds are kind of being blown. You see it in the scriptures that these stories kind of go, oh, my, I thought God was kind of like this, but actually we discover God's like this. We thought God was angry, but actually he's a God of liberation. We thought God would, would ask for um, sacrifices over and over, but actually he provides the sacrifice that goes through all of time. Like, it's incredible. There are these ongoing revelations of, uh, of who God is that speak um, to our experiences of Him. Um, there's also revelation as we go to the Scriptures of how we might respond and live out particular stories that we find resonance with. So we sometimes see things in the Scriptures and it's like, man, I feel like I could be about that. We see stories of justice and it's like, I want to become an advocate for justice. We see moments of, and encounters of grace and it's like, I think I could... I think I could facilitate something like that in my life, in my workplace, in uh, my university or whatever. I, I think I could facilitate that in my world. We, we can be inspired by the stories of the scriptures. And there's a revelation of what this particular scripture means for right now. So we go to it and, and sort of the, the head part of me would say, well, that, yeah, there's like a hermeneutic application where we sort of drill down to the core of it and we try and drill back up and figure out what it looks like and means for us in today's context. So there's this kind of like wrestling thing. 
but there's like a revelation that comes through that as well, and I think that that is amazing. And then my final thought is this, is that uh, the, the uh, scriptures are uh, heavily relational. You know, scripture is something that was always meant to be experienced together. You know, all of these, all of these uh, writings, it's not like everyone could read or everyone could write. That was a luxury. It was only a select few, but the scripture was experienced in community, in togetherness. And I love um, in uh, Colossians 3.16, it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, a singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There's this, there's this um, I don't know, dynamic activity of Scripture happening in the midst of people. Right? And I used to be someone, I used to get, I used to kind of turn my nose a little bit, and I'm a little bit ashamed to say it, but I used to turn my nose a little bit if someone shared something on my Facebook wall that was like a super cheesy photo with like a little scripture verse in it. I was like, that's so lame. <clears throat> really poor graphic design or like whatever, you know? But actually, how many times have those sorts of things come at, come in a moment where you really needed them? Like, Georgia and I have had times where we've, we've just had people who are, like, part of our church or, or, or part of our wider community who have just flicked us a message. And, it's, you know, it's always the same. It's like, hey, like, we were just praying for you guys, and this verse popped into our heads. We don't really know what it means, but hopefully it's cool for you. And it's like, oh, my goodness, that, that felt like something I needed to hear. Hands up. Moments like that. Anyone? Yeah. Like scripture meets us. And so in, in Colossians, Paul's saying, like, share those things. Share the Psalms, share hymns, share words of encouragement with one another. Share the scriptures with each other because it speaks to us. It meets us. It, it, it informs us. It holds us up sometimes. It's amazing what some of those words can do for us. The scriptures can shape us. And that's why I think Scripture is so critical to our formation as followers of Christ. I think it's relevant, I think it's revelatory, and I think it's incredibly relational. And so, um, moving on to this next question, how, how is it that Scriptures might play a more significant role in my own formation really matters? Okay? How we come to the Scriptures really, really matters. And I say that because uh, there's essentially a, a, a dichotomy we could look at. Um, a, a dichotomy of informational versus formational, all right? And most of us, because of who we are, because of our Western worldview, because of the way we've grown up, the way we've been taught, the way our schools function, all this sort of thing, we actually come to the Scriptures with a very informational lens. Let me do a last practical example to show you. Hands up if you've ever done a Bible reading plan. Okay, hold them up, hold them up. Bible reading plan. It could be Bible in one year. I'm going to see how, see how strong you are as well. It could be Bible in one year. It could be, I don't know, the Bible app or whatever. Some Read scripture, whatever. Some sort of reading plan. Now, keep it up, right? If you like were present to every single one of those chapters and like you took it all in. <laughs> if, you, if you never skipped over, anyone skip a day? Or like do the, the old skim read, right? I can tell you, and this is a moment of confession, safe place. I've only like glanced over Deuteronomy, right? There's so many like lists of stuff. It's like, I get, I get the point, you know? 
Just get the general gist. Like we've all had those moments, right? Where actually, where actually the Bible becomes something we, we have to finish or we have to get through it. It's like, oh, I know I should do a devotional time, so I'll go and do it. And some, it just becomes this like, this like transactional ticking of a box. It's like, I know it, quiet time's a good thing for me, so I'll just make sure I do it. It's like, I just do that all the time. Like it's like, well, I know that there's, if I wanna read the Bible in a year, I need to read maybe two chapters and a psalm every day. It's like, maybe today I'll just do the two chapters part or maybe just one chapter part or whatever. You know, things that, oh, running late for work, slept in a little bit this morning. You know, all those sorts of things. Informational is basically this idea that we, we try and get in, we get, try and get the th- extract the thing out of it we need and then get back out and kind of carry on with life. And even as a pastor or as, as someone who writes sermons, it's like that's, that's often how I end up going to the scriptures. It's like, okay, cool, I'm thinking about the sermon. I've got some ideas. I'm going to take that thing. I'm going to do a little bit of exegesis and, and it becomes this very quick thing. But I'm not convinced that that is a formational way of engaging with the texts. Um, I want to read to you a little excerpt from a book called Shaped by the Word by a guy called Robert Mulholland Jr. And uh, it goes like this. In informational reading, we seek to grasp, control, and master the text. But in formational reading, you allow the text to master you. In reading the Bible, we come to the text with an openness to hear, to receive, to respond, to be a servant of the word rather than a master of the text. Such openness requires an abandonment of the false self and its habitual temptation to control the text for its own purposes. Instead of the text being an object we control and manipulate according to our own insight and purposes, the text becomes the subject of the reading relationship. We are the object that is shaped by the text. With respect to biblical reading, we willingly stand before the text and await its address, ready for the word to exercise control over the word that we are. This is one reason formational reading cannot be quantified. It requires waiting before the text. You have to take time with it in order to hear what it says. Isn't that like a really beautiful thought? And doesn't it kind of make you want to go, ah, I think I'd like to read my Bible that way. The thing is for us, that's really hard because our, our days and our weeks are like determined by what we do between particular hours, by places we be. We live in Auckland, so it's like you're probably spending like an hour or two of your time every day sitting in traffic of some kind You've got kids to get to school. You've got meetings to attend. You've got all this kind of stuff to get through. And so it's like, I, I value my time with God. I've got to get that thing in. But so often it just becomes this, this thing that we just end up squeezing in where we can. It's like, oh, I get a little bit of the information. In. We've got to try find ways of creating that space where it's not just this head thing, but it also becomes a heart thing where we can sit with the text and allow it to speak to our heart in a meaningful and profound way. That's what I think we're invited to. So how do we learn to read with the heart and the brain in tandem? It comes down to these four areas. These are things I think that we can, that we can take in. And we actually talk about these, sort of th- these kinds of things sometimes, but I'm not sure we often think about them in relation to our Bible reading. 
But it's these areas of rest, reflect, respond, and rest. Sorry, read, reflect, respond, and rest. What does it mean to read? It's not just about looking at the words on the page. But reading is about becoming still and reading slowly with a reverence in our hearts. It's about listening for the quiet murmur of the still, small voice of God. And for this to happen, we need to be able to stop. We, need to be, kind of be, we have to be able to unplug what the world is demanding of us in that moment. We need to be able to st- be still ourselves and also to be silent. And in doing so, we, we're training we're training our heart to receive by creating that space. Then we need to reflect. We need to think about what we're reading. We need to think about what words or sentences stand out to us or, or, or maybe what feelings arise as we, as we read the text. Maybe there's a particular event that we resonate with. And it's not so much about trying to hear the right thing or go, okay, well, what's the right theology around this? It's like, let's trust that the heart could be a better theologian than the brain for just a second as we stand before the text. What healing does this text bring me? As I, re- as I sort of repeat it and mull over it, is there any sort of connection with memories or things going on in my life? And in a way, as we're kind of doing that, we have to resist the urge to intellectualize what's happening or intellectualize the things that are coming out of it. It's like, how do we learn to just be and let, and let the heart extract from it or be shaped by it as we sit with it? And then we need to respond. And I think that this is actually a really tricky thing for us as well, because it's like, often we're looking to just like get something out of it and that informational way of reading it's like how do I extract the information I need or the feeling I need or the the positive vibe that I need and like it becomes a very quick thing but sometimes I think when we sit with the text and when there is this sort of intentional uh, moment of being present to it it actually cultivates a response so we can turn to Jesus in this moment and in our heart we can talk to him about what what it is we're noticing what is it that God is inviting us towards What are the painful or difficult things that Jesus is inviting us to confront as we sit with these scriptures? What's kind of going on and what kind of response is Jesus calling us towards? And then, and I think that this is probably the hardest thing, and it's definitely the hardest thing for me, but is that after all that, we actually just need to rest. We have to resist the temptation to just get up and go again and go, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit with that for just a little bit. Just as no words are needed, right? I don't know if you guys notice, but, but, but sometimes for Georgia and I, like we can go out to dinner and it's like we don't have to fill every moment with conversation. Sometimes we can just enjoy being with each other. We can go for a stroll along the beach and we don't have to like discuss anything. But we can just enjoy being in that moment together. We can enjoy being in the moment of reading, enjoy being in the moment of the scriptures, enjoy that moment of being with Jesus in that time. We can practice letting go of our words and we can just be quiet with our Lord and Savior. Now those four ideas, they actually outline a practice of reading the Bible called Lectio Divina, which some of you guys would have heard of before. Now I don't think Lectio Divina is the only way to read the scripture or the way we should all read the scripture. It is a way that utilizes some of these things And your way of utilizing these things might not be Lectio Divina. 
but it is a way, and it's, I think it's something that would be really nice for us to kind of do it when we're talking about being shaped by the Scriptures. Um, Lectio Divina is an ancient way of listening to the Scriptures, and it's been used by practicing Christians for the last 2,000 years. And it's been kept alive in monasteries and in small retreats uh, and all sorts of things through all these years. And it's amazing how many people have found meaningful and substantial change in their lives just through this practice. The way it works is you just listen to the text three times. The first time you're just, just taking it in, and then it's almost like you begin putting yourself into it. The second time you're starting to notice, okay, which words stand out? Which things am I noticing? What ideas am I becoming captivated by? And by the third time, it's like you're just, you're being present to that one single idea and allowing and basically looking for what it is that Jesus is inviting you to in that moment. And then you just sit with it for a little bit. Oh. <clears throat> and I want to do something very particular before we kind of get to that. I, I want to do it with a, with a piece of scripture from the message Bible. And I started with a scripture from the message Bible. And that was, that was quite a personal thing because this week... Um, uh, it was sort of it sort of came out online that Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, uh, just went into hospice care. And as uh, as a young pastor who's like sort of read a lot of things, I've spent a lot of time reading Eugene's books. Um, his book, The Pastor, has been an incredibly formative and important book in in my life and my ministry to date. Um, and the, I've seen the message his his version of the message like reach people and I've, I've, given, I've given every message Bible I've bought, I've ended up giving away to some sort of new Christian and it's like, oh, suddenly I, suddenly I get it. So if you're not, if you're not really familiar with, with that, um, so Eugene, where he was an incredibly influential pastor and author, I mean, he's still alive, but, but it's, it's just, um, it, yeah, it's been a rough week for his family. Um, but he wrote the message, he wrote a whole bunch of other books and he's always been championing this whole time, good understanding and good knowledge of and good engagement with the scriptures. And so he wrote the message, which was his direct translation from the original Hebrew and Greek. He wrote for his congregation, which is like an incredible thing. Like, I love you guys a lot, you know, but I'm not sure I have the time or the education or the energy or whatever, but he, his desire was to capture the beauty, the nuance, and the complexity of Scripture in a contemporary and accessible manner. And he did it for his congregation. And that has gone on to bless like the entire church. So it's actually been like kind of a little bit of an emotional week. So it just felt like a way of, of even honoring that and honoring what he was about with Scripture. And as we're talking about being shaped by Scripture and what he's done for that as an idea, it felt like a really nice thing to do to actually land with a little Lectio Divina moment utilizing the words that Eugene Peterson specifically wrote for the Western context. So why don't you stand with me? And we're going to have a moment of being shaped by the Scriptures. The Scripture comes from Matthew 5. And it's verse, verse, uh, verses 13 to 16. And you'll, and you'll recognize it. Um, but just, I'm going to read it three times, just nice and slowly, and then I'm going to leave a little bit of space at the end for you to just, to be with it. Be looking for the gentle whisper. Be listening for that gentle murmur. 
Look for the stirring. Let's see what comes. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be self-seasoning, to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. And here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. time and we're just going to be just in silence after this for a little bit. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light bringing the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for the way that they speak to us, that they are relevant to our lives, that they reveal something of your character and they draw us deeper into relationship with you and with one another. Thank you, Lord, that we can go to your scriptures and we can grow. Thank you that we can go to your scriptures and we can discover deeper relationship. 
that we could know you more and that we could even know more of ourselves as we find resonance and connection with these stories. Thank you for the truth that these pages hold and the invitation that is extended towards us. Lord, help us to be good formational readers of your texts. Help us to identify the way that it breaks into our everyday. Help us to fall in love with your texts and help us to carry those scriptures with us as we go about our everyday lives. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.